So let us hear our Old Testament reading from 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 7, uh, beginning at verse 1. After the king was settled in his palace, that would be David, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. But that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go, tell my servant David, this is what Yahweh says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers who I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what Yahweh Almighty says. I took you from the pasture, from tending the flock, and appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the name of the greatest men on earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel, and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed." Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did in the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that Yahweh Himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you your own flesh and blood, and I will establish His kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for My name, and I will establish the throne of His kingdom forever. I will be His Father, and He will be My Son. Let's take that moment and pause. The Word of the Lord. Now, we are going to hear our Gospel reading as well. I know this is a lot of Scripture, um, but for some of us, this is all the Scripture you'll read this week. So, uh, so let's, uh, let's read and hear the Gospel. The Gospel is Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 34 and 53 through 56. A very interesting phrasing of passages. But this is the Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, so I'm going to ask all who are able to stand as we hear the Gospel of the Lord Jesus. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to Him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, He said to them, Come with Me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of Him. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So He began teaching them many, many things. Let's 
move on to, uh, I think it's, let's say, when they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. Let's pause. The Gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Father, help us as we journey through these passages today to hear the good news. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a few months ago, uh, your pastor was asked to write uh, for a lectionary guide and help. Um, It's an online thing. It is in the Wesleyan tradition. has a great name, aplainaccount.org. And uh, so uh, it was for this passage in 2 Samuel. I was to write the devotional for that. And I thought, let's not let that go to waste. So we'll have it today, and if you miss anything, you can go to aplainaccount.org and you can look it up, and you can share it out or do whatever you want to do with that. Uh, but uh, what a great, great passage, both these passages. And I, and I promise, by the time we get to the end, uh, I think you'll see how these all kind of come together or connect together. So what does a uh, warrior king do? When there are no more wars to fight. I mean, we start right off by saying the king was settled in his palace and Yahweh had given him rest from all his enemies around him. What is a warrior king to do when there are no more battles to fight? Well, tradition and history will tell us that that's when they start building programs, right? I mean, you start building the monuments, you start building the palaces, you start, you start building and building and building. And in this regard, David was no different. He builds a palace. He has a great house uh, that the Bible tells us is of cedar. I I have a picture of uh, what somebody thinks an artist's rendition of it may have looked like back in David's day. Pretty impressive feature. I mean, when you think about that's probably the highest building for hundreds of miles around. Uh, it's impressive, and you would be coming to Jerusalem from the valley floors, and so it would look even more impressive. And so David has this great palace. And we see then that David uh, begins to kind of do a little bit of comparison. He looks at his dwelling place, his house of cedar, and then he looks at Yahweh's dwelling place, which is a tent. This is another rendition of what it might have looked like. And in fact, you're kind of looking down through the mountains. And so it's almost like you can take that view of David as maybe he's walking along the palace wall and looking over and looking down. And he sees this this little tent. And this is Yahweh's house. And and he, he begins to just think out loud, why should I have this giant house and hear God's Dwelling is just in a tent. His priorities seem right. I mean, kind of looking, and if I look at my house and look at God's house, and, uh, you know, it looks like I'm doing a little better than God, you know, that's a good, good thing for him to think about, right? To say, well, you know, that, that's a good, he, he seems to know what would be best for God. But does he? 
So he goes to Nathan. That's what you do in those days. You go to the prophet, the Navi. The Navi, that means mouthpiece. God's mouthpiece. You go and he talks to Nathan. And, uh, and Nathan is just a quick yes. Woo! Now, as a pastor, I have to say if one of you wanted to come up and say, you know, I think we should build a bigger sanctuary. Um, I might be tempted to give a quick yes. We might even get Jim Hines to like run the aisles. Uh, but we begin to see Nathan. You can almost see the wheels turning. It's like, well, you know, he wants to do this for God. He wants to build a house worthy of this God who took us through the Red Sea, who brought us to this land of promise, who drove our enemies from before us and has now established peace. I think this is a good thing. This is majestic and glorious like our God. So I think this priority is right. He tells David, go and do that. But that night... God says something to Nathan. And God declares His priorities. And to His credit, Nathan goes and shares those priorities with the king. And they both obey. So what are God's priorities? I want to give them to you really quick and then we're going to go through them one by one. God's priorities are number one, people over property. Or rituals, if you want to tie in our epistles passage, you know, where he was talking about circumcision and uncircumcision, which was this kind of ritual that uh, kind of signified that you were on the in crowd, you were Jewish. Uh, God's not really concerned about those things as much as he is about people. Number two, that God's presence is dynamically mobile and intimately present among people. Number three, when we get His priorities wrong, God is so willing to re-show the priorities through creative giving. So it's an amazing, amazing thing that we begin to see. So let's look at priority number one. Priority number one, people over property. We see this in our, in our passage where God says to, to David through the prophet Nathan, wherever I have moved, With all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people, Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? It's an interesting thing. We saw that God's presence was in a tent. Now, how many of you have ever gone tent camping? Oh, quite a few of you. Good. I I went... um, when I was on sabbatical a few years ago, we met some of our friends in the Redwood Forests of California, and uh, we set up tents, and it was kind of a tent campground, so there weren't any mobile homes or, or uh, you know, travel trailers or anything along those lines. You could only stay here if you were staying in a tent. And it was interesting, because a tent is way more intimate than a home, isn't it? I mean, when you're there, it was kind of nice. We were near the, the cliffs where, that overlooked the Pacific Ocean. It's kind of nice to be able to hear the waves crashing at night. But then you also hear your neighbors, don't you? You hear their conversations. You hear their coughing. You hear their sneezing. And you hear their snoring. 
It's a very intimate thing. And it's pretty quick. You know, you can kind of fold it up and move wherever uh, you want to go uh, and those kinds of things. If you you decide, um, as we did one night, I was kind of where I was sitting, there was kind of a root and it just didn't feel very good. And so the next morning it was pretty easy to just get Lori on one side and me on the other and just kind of move it three feet that way and lay back down and, yeah, more comfortable. It seems that we're seeing here from God that God is so comfortable being intimately present among the people. His glory and His presence is not one that needs to be trapped in a residence. But God's glory is very comfortable being with His people. Being so close that He can hear the conversations and every cough, and every snore. He's not aloof, but He is present with His people. Number two, we've kind of already begun to touch on this, that His presence is dynamically mobile and intimately present for the people. But we begin to see something just even, even different. David begins to realize or is told that even the tent, David, is really unnecessary because God has been with you, David, throughout your life. We see this, that God says to David, I took you from pa- the pasture, from tending the flock, and I appointed you a ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. He kind of says, even the tent, don't get too fixated even on the tent. Because the truth is, is that I'm present in your daily life. When you are out walking, watching the sheep and protecting them from the bear and the lion and the wolf, I was with you. When you were on the battlefield, remember when you fought Goliath, I was with you there. I have been with you. I have established you as the king. I have been with you, not just in the tent, but I've been with you wherever you go. And there's something else about this, that that God made all of this happen for David so that David could then bless the people of Israel. He tells him in, in the Scriptures, and I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. That God wanted to bless David so that his people, because remember, priority number one, People are the priority of God. And He longs to have a place for them to prosper and to thrive and to flourish. He says, he goes on and says, wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. God wants people to thrive. Do you know that? Do you know that God wants you to thrive? And that God wants to be intimately connected with you in your everyday life. As intimately, as intimately connected as a tent is right next door to hear what's going on in your lives. Sometimes I think we're more comfortable when God's distant and we think of God in the church. Uh, I was reminded of this from our, one of our preachers uh, at our family camp this week. When he said, nothing shuts down a conversation quicker than than when the person that you're sitting next to on the plane asks you, and what do you do for a living? And you say, oh, I'm a a pastor. 
<laughs> oh, every every look, it's oh, you know, they kind of eyes wide and they're quickly going through everything that they said. Did I say any bad words? Sometimes I think we do this with God as well. God is up there and out there, and and I don't need. But God wants to be intimately connected to your life, and He longs for you to have a place to thrive. Number three, God reshows His priority through creative giving. So David got it wrong. Oh no! David made a mistake. I was going to build a house for God. And God says, no, you're not going to do that. That's not what I want you to do. I don't want those priorities. I want, I want people. I want you to thrive. I want you to realize that I am with you everywhere you go. And I am using you, David, to help my people find a safe, thriving place. Now, for many of us, we feel like, oh, if we get it wrong... Then God's going to get angry and get upset and be mad. But God shows that His priority is even when we get God's priorities wrong, even maybe with good motives, God is willing to reshow what God's priorities are through creative giving. And He tells David, The Lord declares to you that the Lord Himself will establish a house for you. And when your days are over and, you're re- and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. Do you see how this is so interesting? God says, no, David, you are going to build me a house, but I'm going to show you truly again what my priorities are. I'm going to build you a house. But I'm not going to build your house out of brick and mortar. I'm going to build your house with flesh and blood. I'm going to raise up someone from you, David, that is going to build my house. And, and I'm, it's going to be such a close connection. I'm going to re-show that I love to bless in life Inside the tent, outside the tent, doesn't matter. And I want to be so intimately connected. I'm going to re-show even that priority that I long to be with people. I long to raise up people to help bless other people. This is what I'm going to show through this offspring. Wow. It's no wonder. Can it be any wonder? Why, after the resurrection of Jesus, the writers in the New Testament and the theologians of the early church would point back and reinterpret this passage to say that offspring is not Solomon. That offspring was Jesus. The one who Paul then says, is going to build the house for God, right? Remember our passage in Ephesians? And He's going to bring together not just the Jewish people, but He's going to bring together Jews and non-Jews. And He's going to build them into a house for God with the cornerstone as Jesus, the offspring. Wow. Pulls that together. 
He's going to say that this Jesus is going to show my glory out among the people as He is with them, intimately connected, wanting to hear every conversation or cough or sneeze or snore because God is comfortable with people and wants them to thrive. So when we got to our Gospel passage, no wonder we see the glory of God among the people. And what is He doing? He's having compassion on them. He's teaching them. He wants them to thrive. He's showing them who God is. He's healing them. He's helping them. He's bringing them along. This, my brothers and my sisters, is the offspring. Oh, sure, you can, you can, you can interpret that as Solomon who will build a nice house for God. But it points us even farther. And it points us to Jesus. The one who perfectly shows us God's priorities. To be intimately connected with people and comfortable doing so. To bless us in every part of our life. Wanting us to thrive. Wanting us to have eternal life. And one who re-shows the priorities of God over and over. Even if he has to go all the way to the cross. So my question for you today, my brothers and my sisters. Have you gotten stuck seeing God in a building? Even one as nice as this with air conditioners and pews and and a few people here and there. Can we reshape that today? Do you need God to come pitch a tent in your backyard? Is there something that that you are struggling with? Is, Is there something in your tent that you just don't think God can handle or God won't see? I mean, if God, if people or God really knew about this, or you may think that if God knows, that God does know about it and God's angry about it and He can't handle it and He doesn't want to see that thing that you participate in, those words that you spoke, Do you need to hear the good news of a God who's so comfortable bringing His presence right into your midst, even with your cough, your sneeze, your snore, your sin? God is willing to be there. Do you need that this morning? Do you need to know that you are God's priority? Do you need to know that God longs for you to thrive and God is willing to bring His presence right into the midst of your life so that you can begin to experience that life everlasting. That life that is so strong now that even death won't take it in the future. Do you need to hear that this morning? I have good news. The tent of God is here. Look at this. It even kind of looks like a tent, doesn't it? And God is willing to move in among the people once again. In fact, God is willing to enter into you like the bread and the cup. The juice will enter into you. God is willing to be that intimately connected to your life. You bring your need, your sneeze, your snore, your cough, your sin, the messiness of who you are. And God will bring His presence to come in and help you thrive. Is that good news today? That's good news. 
And so in just a moment, I'm going to invite anyone who longs for God's presence to move into your life and help you to thrive. If you're hungry for that, I want you to know you're welcome to come and receive bread and juice. Even if it's your first day here. The only thing, are you hungry? (laughs) That's the question. If you are, God will meet your need. Are you ready? The presence is here. And willing to be given to you. God will help you. Let's pray.